Hello and welcome to episode one of Spoiler Alert. I'm your host, Emily Renshaw, and today we're going to talk about A House of Salt and Sorrows by Aaron A. Craig. Sit back, relax, and let's begin. To start this episode, we're going to give a little background into A House of Salt and Sorrows. So the book is written as a young adult horror mystery story that is based on the Brothers Grimm story, The Twelve Dancing Princesses. If you don't know what The Twelve Dancing Princesses is, don't worry. I'm going to give you a nice little overview of what the story is about. So, The Twelve Dancing Princesses and the Brothers Grimm telling is a story about 12 princesses who go dancing every night. Every morning, their father, the king, wakes up and he's like, why are your shoes all beat up? I just bought you these shoes, so why are they worn through? This doesn't make sense. And the king gets annoyed because the princesses aren't telling them what's going on. He, they don't want to let him know about their little dancing secrets, so they keep it to themselves. So every night, for like after the king gets annoyed and past the point of, like, why aren't you telling me this? He gets very upset with them. So he goes and recruits these people to figure out what the princesses are doing to ruin their shoes. Because he buys them shoes every week. So their shoes should not be getting destroyed every night. And they should be lasting longer. And that's his biggest concern with this. So he goes and recruits people to figure out what's going on. Well, when the princesses hear about this every night... They will give whoever has been recruited to do this wine, and then the person will end up falling asleep. So they wait for the person who... Well, it's a man every time, too. That adds to the story later. Um, they will give this person wine every night and go to sleep, and they'll go... After they fall asleep, they'll go and check and see, make sure the dude's asleep, and then they will go and do their dancing like they've been doing every night. Well, the king is getting more upset daily by this because he just wants to know, you know, why are my daughter's shoes not lasting like they should? Well, one night, a knight is traveling home. He was wounded in battle and he can't fight anymore. So the king is like, yo, you want to do this for me? And the knight is like, well, I got nothing better to do. I can't fight anymore. I'm beat. Like he like got an injury that was really bad and couldn't go fight anymore. So he's like, may as well. So he does it. And one night, or that night that he does it, the maids who are helping him get ready for this tell him, don't drink the wine. So he does it when the it's the eldest daughter offers him the wine, and he pretends to drink it, throws it away, and then pretends to be asleep. Well, the princesses go in, and they check on him, and they're like, oh yeah, he's asleep. So then they go through the trap door that's in their room that allowed them to leave the house, or their castle, I guess, since they're princesses, and go dance. Well, the knight finds out, follows them, and the rest of the story basically goes that the knight tells the king what happens. And as a reward, the uh, knight is able to pick a princess that he wants to marry. He picks the eldest since he's not that young. It says that in the story. But that was just the whole story was princesses keep disappearing at night and destroying their shoes. And the king was upset about it. About it. Ooh, that was weird. Okay, so A House of Salt and Sorrows follows this story. And one thing to note, if you don't know some, anything about Grimm's story, this is one thing, very common new information in my opinion, is their stories tend to be like really dark. A lot of Disney movies are based off of Grimm's stories, and there's another one, but I can never remember the dude's name, so we'll ignore it. But the stories tend to be really dark, and Disney t like plays them up to be a lot nicer. Well, The Twelve Dancing Princesses was probably one of their lighter stories in a way, 
But Aaron Craig takes it and makes it ten times darker. Uh, like I said, this is a horror mystery story, so it go it gets so dark, but it's so good to my opinion. But we'll get to my opinion later. So A House of Salt and Sorrow follows the same story outline. It's twelve. I think their their father is a duke, not a king, so they're still royalty in a way. But they are there's twelve sisters, and they're called the Thomas Dozen. So the story opens with a death they're at a funeral because the daughters throughout the story have been or well before the story begins the daughters have been dying and they're trying to figure out like whoa what's going on it started with the eldest and it was working its way down the line in order of like succession of the throne if you will that gives a little hint into what the story ends up ending like well they have five of the daughters have died at this point so there's only seven left and our main character, Annalie, is like, hmm, something's wrong. Because at their most recent sister's, like, death, the story they heard about how she died didn't make sense. She had left the house to go meet up with a secret, uh, not an admirer, but, like, she was, I think she ended up being betrothed to this person in the long run. But she was going to meet the person and get married. So, she goes, and she's on this cliff, and she falls to her death. So they wake up to learn that their sister has fallen to her death. Here's the deal about this sister. Her name, okay, I've never said her name out loud. I've never had a reason to talk about the sister's name out loud. So I'm going to do my best to say it. I believe the way you say it is you, you see, I can't, you, Lolly, I'm, I'm going to call her E because it starts with an E. So E, the sister who just died, um, was known to be very beautiful, like, that was probably her main character trait in the story from what I'm remembering. Is she was a very pretty daughter. She was very into the public scene, um, going to parties. And she had a long line of men who wanted to marry her. That was what the book opened with. So at her, the it's a funeral, but I don't know what they call it. It's where they live. Oh, there's a lot of information <laughs> So, they live on an island that's kind of off of mainland, and the reason it's ca called a house of salt and sorrow is because it's ocean. They're like an ocean kingdom, dukedom, whatever you want to call it. So, they're, everything they believe is very heavily into the ocean, and they have an ocean god that they believe in. And so, when the sisters or anyone in the family dies, they get put back into the ocean, and it's like being released back from where they came because they believe they came from water. So that's a little into their like theology, history, whatever you want to call it. So at the funeral, E, because I still can't say her name, I even tried to look it up, it's fine. E has like a bunch of her admirers there at her funeral. So that was what opened the story. And they believed that it was suicide and the other sisters like, the accidents didn't make sense to Annalie, who was still our main character, um, because they were just super bizarre, like, it kind of made sense to her. One of their sisters fell in a bath and hit her head, but she was known to be clumsy, so they were like, oh, she slipped and she just died, so, well, cool. But at this point, when you have reached five deaths in a 12-child family, it's kind of like, hmm, is it really... Annalie was getting very, like, I don't know if this is actually an accident or if this is happening on purpose. So with this final death of her sister E, she has decided, hmm, I'm going to, like, try and look into this. 
So throughout the story, Annalie is just trying to figure out the mystery behind all the deaths that have gone on with her family because it's very dark. And another thing to note about this family in general is that when someone dies, you go into a grieving period. We don't get told this until a little later into the book because we do open with the funeral, but their mom has been dead and their grieving period is like a year long. So throughout this time, more people have died and they haven't been out of the grieving period for years at this point because five of their daughters have died and you have to do a year of grieving per daughter or per death in the family. So in the grieving process, they have to wear dark clothes. They can't do parties or anything like that. And so this is a duke with his daughters. So in any sort of society like this, they would need to be married off at some point or they would be married off at some point. And after E's death, they're over it. The whole family, besides Annalie, is just kind of like, we're done with this. We don't want to grieve anymore. Because the grieving process, you wear dark clothes and you can't wear makeup. You can't look in a mirror. It's very intense. So when they're exiting the grieving is they fade, like they start in black clothing and then they carry through and switch to gray. And then they can, as they get further away from the death or the beginning of their grieving period, they can wear colored clothing again. Well, they're over it. They're like, we've been grieving for years. We need a break. We want to wear clothing that's fun and colorful, and we want to do what we want. So when Annalie hears that her father is even like, yeah, I'm over it, um, she's kind of a little taken aback. She's like, uh, my sister just died. I know I've had other sisters die, but this is just as important. She's very upset about it. Um, and now that I'm talking about this, there's another character that's very important to this story. Before E died, the king, no, the duke, sorry, just got confused in stories. The duke remarried a girl. Something a little fishy about this girl, and I'm not just saying that because they live in an ocean environment, is that the girl is the same age, if not a little older than Annalie, which is the daughter of the duke. So that was a little weird to begin with. Well, at the party, not party, that would not be the right word. Um, we'll call it a celebration of death, I guess you'll say, after E's funeral, because I don't remember the word they used to describe it. Morella is the mom's name, or not the mom's name, but the new wife's name. And Morella announces that she's pregnant. This is kind of what started the whole, we're over grieving, we don't want to grieve anymore. So... Annalie is already kind of like, this is weird. Why would my father marry someone who's basically my age? And why would the girl my age... Well, actually, there's probably... She wanted power, whatever. That was the situation they were in. Well, Morella's pregnant, and Annalie's taken aback because she announces this at the after-party grieving thingy for her sister. And she's like, was this really the most appropriate time to announce this? Well... After all of this has happened, after baby's been announced, she's pregnant, after they're like, we don't want to grieve anymore, Annalie is like, I am so done with this, and she leaves the party, and she just goes. Well, the next day, she wakes up. None of her family is wearing the black like they usually would. They're in their more, like, light colors. I don't think they fully transitioned into wearing colors. I think they just went for lighter grays already, and they were wearing makeup again, and she's like, y'all, what are you doing? She's very upset about this because she's very adamant that her family or her sister is deserving of the same amount of grief. Well, her father is like, we're starting to put y'all out there to get married. So he calls in 
the seamstress from their town and the cobbler and they come in and they make them clothing. And what started this, like I said a second ago, um, they were being entered into society. So there's, well, when the family started, you know, there were 12 siblings and there is a set of triplets and a set of twins. And the set of triplets just turned the age. One of the twin triplet sets are like turning the age that would be entering into society. I think it's their 16th birthday. So they want to have a party because they never really got to experience a party because they've been grieving for such a long time. And they're like, we want a party. We want to celebrate our 16th birthday. And their dad's like, great idea. And Morella's like, yeah, let's do it. So the dad is like bet and pulls in all these people to make them clothing and fun, colorful stuff. And the for the most part, everyone's like, cool. Annalise's still a little hurt. But in the end, her sister is like, come on, you're you're going to be okay. This is going to be fun. We need to celebrate and move on a little bit. Well, they, so you heard me say cobbler. And let's remember that the main story, the grim story, is about dancing princesses and shoes being worn through. Well, <laughs> like I said, this one's a little darker. So the dresses get made and they have their pretty shoes. And it's, the descriptions are beautiful. But again, we'll get to my opinion on all of this later. So the party happens. And this is when major comments are starting to be made against the family even one of the comments that was made in the book was that they were a family of spinsters because that's at the point after the party nobody showed up because they believed that the Thomas Dozen were cursed because they kept passing away it was very hard on the family for them to try and come out and be like yo let's get back into society and so the sisters are all very upset that nobody showed up. I think the people who did show up were like the closest friends of the king and people who were feeling bad for the family. But other than that, the people in society didn't show up. And one of the major things was the sister that is still alive, the fifth daughter, not the sixth, Camille, who is the last one before Annalie. She is so ready to be in society. She is so ready to be out there making her name and getting married and creating a family. And she's going to take over the dukedom once her father passes away. So she wants it to happen and she's so excited, but then no men show up. So she's really sad about this. Well, that night passes. The party was not as fun as they expected it to be. And everyone's sad and everyone's just gloomy and ugh. so the next day they wake up they're going throughout their usual lives doing whatever it is the daughter of a duke does and one of the sisters finds an invitation to a party um they decide to hide this from their father they kind of keep it back they're like we're not going to talk about it they don't want to make a big deal about it so this is where we can see the relation between the Grimm's and the House of Salt and Sorrows retelling uh, the prince, no, the girls, the daughters who are still alive decide, yeah, we're going to go to this party. We're going to live our best life. The theme is nightmares and dreams. It's a very beautiful theme in my opinion, but you know, we'll get to that later. So they go and they have to dress as a dream or as a nightmare and they go to this party and it's nighttime and they just, they leave. They say, I'm out. They don't let anyone know what's going on. So they go to this party and it's great. And when I said they brought the cobbler in for the party, they got these shoes that the youngest children 
called like dubbed them as fairy shoes because they were beautiful they were shiny they matched the dresses something to note these shoes were really really expensive and their dad was like do you guys really want this and they were like yes yes we do it's for our party so they get these pretty shoes and so you can see where this is going if we remember the review overview of the Grimm story they go dance and they dance all night. Nobody knows who they are when they arrive. That's important to note. When they arrive to this party, it's in a different land. So, you know, in the Grimm story, they snuck through a trap door in their room. In this story, it's kind of like a secret garden type thing. They go and they find a secret entrance or exit, if you want, and they find a way to leave and it takes them to a different land where this party is hosted. So this party goes on, they dance a lot, their shoes get worn through. The next day their dad is like, what happened to your shoes? And they're like, we've, we've been wearing them, we've had them for a while. They haven't. Their dad's like, whatever, because he's really worried about his wife right now with the new pregnancy and all that. So his focus, he loves his daughters. I don't want that to be something. He does love his daughters in this book, but he is married, so he's focusing on his wife and the new baby that's coming. So the daughters are like, our shoes are fine, it's okay, we'll be okay. Um, and so I said they got this invitation. This invitation came out of nowhere. They don't really know where it came from. Like I said, they just found it and they found a way to get to the party. So more invitations come in and they go to more parties every night and it's starting to become a nightly thing and their shoes are destroyed. And their father is finally like, yo, <laughs> what you doing that's making your shoes be all beat up like this? I just got these for you. And they're like, we just wear them all the time. They're really nice. We need new ones. They, these are the younger daughters being like, we need new ones. Can you get us new ones? So the shoes get destroyed and they blame the cobbler is what I just remembered. They blame the cobbler and say that the shoes weren't up to par like he said. That's why they didn't last as long. So the king goes and complains to the cobbler and a bunch of stuff happens and the shoes, they get new shoes again. And then he's like, take better care of these ones because we see this. I know y'all like them, but take better care of them. So um, they don't because they go and party every night. They go and dance and their shoes are getting destroyed every night. Well, we reach a point where Annalie is like, I can't keep doing this because we're partying all night and we have this big event going on in our little home dukedom that we have to prepare for and I'm exhausted so I can't do this anymore. So she stops and she takes a break. So at this point in the story, the other sisters still continue to go. I think they'll keep the younger ones home because they are little girls, so you don't really, you know, need to keep the daughters out dancing. If they're a little younger, they need to get their rest because it's very obvious if they go to studies and they're falling asleep during it that they're not fully focused on what they're supposed to be learning. Well, Annalise stays home because she kind of takes charge of this big event that's coming that happens every year. Well, it comes, um, she and her stepmother... Uh, Morella are like team up and they get the whole thing set up for this because t usually this duty would fall on the Duke's wife but she's new to this she's not from this area so she's kind of like yo can you help me and you're like well why wouldn't it go to the older one the older one didn't care she wanted to dance and party so Annalie stepped up so Annalie helps Morella and they get this huge event that happens all the time they send out all these invites a lot of stuff happens and the night comes and they're eating dinner. I think this is the first night. It's like a big thing. It's very, it celebrates their like water god. It's very big on their like theology and all of that. So they're celebrating and I think it's called Ponilus. 
I could be wrong. <laughs> Fact check me if you need to. And the dinner on the first night is like a very grand dinner. And they invite all their friends and family who still <laughs> make acquaintance with them and uh, will risk hanging out with them, I guess you could say. And they show up and they're eating dinner and the dad is drunk. Now, mind you, Morella is the same age, if not a little older than Annalie, our main character. And I'm gonna, I don't know her exact age. It wasn't really given. I'm gonna argue it was probably somewhere around like... I'm going to say range of 18 to 21, but that could be very wrong because I don't know the age for real. So this this girl, her father married, is close to her age. So she's weirded out by this. She's like, what is, what is this? Like, whatever. Um, so father gets drunk and he ends up kind of, this is where the story really took a turn, by the way. He's like, if any of you can figure out what my daughters are doing, you can marry them of your choice. Relates back to the Grimm story. So now it's a bunch of men who were in the army. Some are really creepy. It's creeping Annalie out. It's creeping Camille out even, even though she wanted the attention from the men because she wanted to get married. So she, they're all very, very creeped out and annoyed. They won't admit. And the dad even took notice, though. This is something that was really interesting to me. Um because Annalise stayed back, so obviously her not dancing in her fairy shoes every night means her shoes are still, you know, in pretty good condition compared to her sister Camille's, who were basically ripped and destroyed. So the dad's like, girls, stand up, look, let them see your shoes, and a competition is announced saying that if they could figure out what the girls were doing to destroy their shoes, they could marry them. And he's drunk at this point, he's a very angry drunk too, and Morella's like, ooh, don't know about that one, and he like, he snaps on his wife, he's never done it before, <laughs> and she freaks out, and Annalise even a little like, why are you treating her like that, what's wrong with you? So this competition ensues, and everyone's trying to figure out what's going on, but they're also trying to enjoy this big celebration for their water god that they worship, so um, night one, kind of concludes in a little bit and they the dudes are all being really creepy because they all want to marry the girls and ugh, very weird situation in my opinion but next day opens up they I don't think they ended up dancing on the first night either I think they went and did celebration for the whole week so the time pushes on a little bit and so the celebration that they're going through is kind of a changing in seasons, if you will. It's, I think they're going from summer to winter time. So this is like the coldest part of the year, not summer, but like fall, you know? And so it's, they're in the very cold part of the year and it's very snowy and icy. So I'm probably missing a chunk because the book, it, there's a lot of information and I can't remember everything. I'm not cool. I don't have an eidetic memory, whatever. So this is, we're ramp ramping up to a big part. So they're having the celebration. It's all fun and games. So Annalie at this point has kind of started having like nightmares and stuff. And so I just remembered something that's actually important. When Annalie goes to these parties, she sees this creature she calls the Dragon Man, who tries to dance with her every time, even though she's like, mm, don't know about you, you're a little weird. So she kind of is very, that also kind of pushed her away. Well, she, one night, I don't remember if she ended up going to this party or if she was dreaming at this point, but it started getting to the point where she's dreaming about this stuff. And something else I just remember that's very important, that she has, at this point in the story, also started seeing her dead sisters, like, alive and walking around. 
And the, one of her younger sisters, Verity, is known to, like, draw pictures of her sisters that she wouldn't know. She's, like, the youngest of them. So when she was born, her oldest sisters, not when she was born, but after she was born, her mother died, Verity. So uh, her older sisters kind of took care of her, but she was so young, she's not going to remember them. And they had already died by the point where she would remember them. So, so Annalie has been seeing these people walking around. And it's her sisters, and she's like, ooh. And she knows that Verity is drive drawing these characters, not characters, but her sisters. And she's like, you shouldn't know what happened, because she would, like, draw in detail the death that happened. So Annalie's kind of at this point where she thinks she's going crazy. She's like, mm, I'm seeing my dead sisters everywhere, and my little sister is drawing these. What's going on? So she decides to go dance one night, because um, her older sister who's still alive, Camille, is like, come dance with us. It'll be fun. Just do it one more time. You haven't done it in a while. So she goes and does it. And the dragon man is there. And this is like the huge turning, not the huge, but a big turning point where it clicks in Annalie's mind that like nothing is okay anymore. The dragon man kind of reveals that the party they're at isn't real. It's all a dream. So she gets waking up. She like gets scared and is like, ah, and wakes up. And there's a guy, so there is romance in this book too, but it's not like, not really main story. So there's this guy, and it's kind of like her childhood friend. It's her, it's like the family maid's son, and so they grew up together, they were the same age. Her and Camille are like, I think a year apart, like they're, I, I think the term is Irish twins, I think that could probably be what they are, but... They are right there together, and there's this boy, I think his name is Fisher. I don't want to completely confirm that, though. So there's this character, and they've grown up together, and he kind of would go and dance with them a lot, too. So he comes into her room and is like, yo, wake up, you're kind of going crazy. And she does, and she's like, we have to go see my other sisters. We were partying, we were at a party, and he's like, no, we weren't. We were literally here. So this is when it's revealed that the parties weren't real. The parties were all fake. And the princesses were, not princesses, the daughters were all dancing in their rooms in a dream kind of situation. So she goes and walks around and all of her sisters are dancing in their rooms alone. And she is flipping out. She's like, uh, ooh, what's going on? So after she has done all this, the sisters, I think she tries to wake them up and then put them to bed. And she just kind of like pushes them to their bed to go to sleep. So... She tries to get her sisters to go back to sleep, and it works. I'm not remembering fully what happens next. So we're going to skip forward to the kind of, like, ending portion. So, like the title suggests, this is basically a big spoiler. I'm giving you the whole story, so be careful if you want to read this book and you don't want it to be spoiled. Go read it now. So we reach a point, and we're still, when this is going on, we're still celebrating the big, Thing that their home celebrates so so whenever she wake or puts all her sisters to sleep she goes to sleep herself and she's like okay day over well she wakes up and she notices that the triplets are missing and I I need to make a note right here I don't cry I, <laughs> I don't cry to books and movies they don't affect me like that my mother calls me heartless it's fine so this is a point in the book, though, that, like, had me tearing up the first time I read it. I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, the triplets, two of the three, had gone outside 
to because they were in their little dreamscape kind of thing so this is what happened so it was still that same night that they were dancing and this is when Annalie was like oh it's a dream this isn't real so she goes and wakes up the people and they're like we can't find uh, the graces I think they were called the graces so they're like okay we gotta go find them so they go and some people go outside and they find two of the three triplets dead outside and like I had to stop reading the book at this point I was like my little heart can't take it oh my gosh so they find the two dead and the one that remains so there's kind of this thing thought in art like in real life that triplets and twins kind of have this like intuition where you can like you know it's like a feeling I can't explain it. I don't have a twin or triplets so I don't know how to explain it but I hear it a lot and see it a lot on social media where you kind of like you have the same intuition as your siblings whatever so the one that remains is like heartbroken naturally but she's very shaken up by this well the story builds more and more at this point and they find out that they have been cursed now in this world it's very magical I guess I should mention that obviously they walk through a doorway and go to another town but very magical and she realizes she finds out they've been cursed and she's like who would curse us like why is this happening to us she doesn't understand and this huge storm is coming in and like there's so much going on at this point in the story and she's just like what is going on well storm knocks out light tower light tower is very important to the story but she goes to the light tower and remember Fisher, I mentioned him earlier, this is like huge spoiler alert, so be cautious as you listen to this part. Um, Fisher is not actually Fisher. Fisher died, like from what she found in the lighthouse. Fisher has been dead for a while, so she's like, ooh, okay. And so when she finds that out, she like things start clicking at this point, and so the ending of the book basically covers Morella married this man the duke because she wanted to have a child who would be like in control and she would be able to like be like in charge and stuff like that and she saw this man and she saw that he was single and so she took advantage of it married him they got pregnant but she didn't just get pregnant with his kid this trickster which is one of like their magical like not good people um this trickster is like yo haha let's do it for real so she can ensure that she gets what she wants she makes a deal with the trickster which is inequivalent making a deal with the devil and you're kind of like was that really your brightest idea but she ends up giving birth to her children the whole reason she did this is because she thinks if she has a son he's going to be in charge well she found out later that that's not true it's like the eldest which is why the daughters were dying eldest to youngest so <laughs> a little clicking in there the trickster comes and she gives birth to twins morella gives birth to twins and one of them dies and it's not the one that belongs to her and the thomas father it's the one that belongs to her and the trickster and she's like yo this wasn't supposed to happen like this and he's like yo we never specified the deal he takes his baby and dips and then the curse kind of uh ends in a way and the Thomas Mansion ends up getting burned down. Now, I need to note, at the beginning, Annalie was very iffy about 
um, Marilla. She was like, ooh. Well, as the story moves on, she go like, she starts to become more comfortable with her, and she's like, she's a girl my age, she just wants friends, I understand. So they try to become friends. She does a better job than her sister, who kind of ignores Marilla, but it's fine. They've, good reason at this point, if you've not caught on, Marilla found a way to curse the family to get what she wanted, and it turned out bad. Well, the house is starting to burn down, and she, uh, she just gave birth. She can't move, so... She's like, help me, help me, and, uh, a little dark, <laughs> um, Annalie and Camille are like, nah, and they leave, <laughs> and so Marilla kind of gets burnt up in the house, and so then our story closes, and I left some things to be unknown, I didn't completely spoil the story, um, Annalie kind of finds her happy ending, and, um, the book closes with Camille coming into power and Annalie living her life, so we have covered this story we see the way it relates to the Grimm's fairy tale now we're gonna move on to like my opinions and thoughts for it first of all the 12 dancing princesses was literally my favorite barbie movie to ever exist when i was little barbie came out with barbie and the 12 dancing princesses and so i saw this book in the library and on the cover of that book, it was like a retelling of the 12 Dancing Princesses. And I was like, yes, I'm reading you. So I read it, fell in love with it immediately. But I was obviously going to read it because 12 Dancing Princesses is my favorite. One of my favorite parts to the book is the way the world is built and described throughout the entire story. I have a very, very active imagination. When you give me big descriptors and stuff, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, okay. And it's going to like click really well. And I like... The way that Craig described all of everything, but specifically the clothing, I remember being very into, like, the way she described it. She said gossamer gowns, and she used words like sea foam, which this sounds dorky now that I'm saying it right now, but I don't know. When you read a book, and it's a fairy tale, and it's one of your favorite stories, and the author goes into deep detail about little things like dresses and the just, like, everything. It was so cool, and, like... I really want to see this book turned into a movie, personally. I think it'd be really cool. But I love the way the world was described. And I also just love, like, how she took the story and made it even darker than it already was. And I I love fantasy and I love magical things. So this was really cool. I was like, oh, wow. And she just, she did a really good job with retelling a story that's very iconic to me in my childhood. And I love a good mystery. So all the, tw like, twists and turns, I was like, what? no way and so it was really cool and this is also the book like we went to the beach my family and I went to the beach last summer and this is the first time I have taken a book and read it over playing in the water and if you know me you know I love to be in the water I'm a very summertime fun play in the water person but this book I was like I would much rather be reading this on the beach than playing in the water it was so enjoyable the way that she wrote the story was great the way that she described everything it's just it was so good for me, and I would 100% recommend this book to anybody who enjoys um, murder <laughs> mysteries and magical worlds and anything along that line. And if you're a fan of Grimm's fairy tales, and if you know what the Twelve Dancing Princesses is, I think you'd get a really like cool look at a book where you're like, oh, this is it, but it's different. So... With that, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I would like to thank you for listening to episode one of Spoiler Alert. Be sure to come back for another episode next week. I'm Emily Renshaw, and I'll see you at the next episode. Goodbye!